The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. There are two sides to the broadcast industry, content creators and money makers. This podcast is for that second group. Sellers, buyers, managers, anyone with an interest in business. You're all welcome here. This is Seller to Seller. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cabes. Kelly Hanna has been with Hubbard Broadcasting in St. Louis for 14 years. She started her career in sales, and after a two-year stint as the local sales manager, Mm -hmm. she became the GSM of 101 ESPN in the morning after St. Louis just this last January. Kelly's also worked in sales at iHeart in San Diego and big league broadcasting in St. Louis. I had somebody describe it to me selling sports when the fan can somehow embrace an advertiser or be a part of it how magic that is to show an advertiser look at the impact you're having with these blues fans or whatever that is do you do you get that uh, feeling absolutely and that's actually one of the selling points it's also the hardest one to measure it is such an emotional connection and You know, the way that we talk about it for someone, the few people that may not be a sports fan or maybe they don't understand how powerful sports marketing works. uh, You look at a photo from after the Blues won the Stanley Cup championship and it there were half a million people downtown under the arch leading up to that day. Mm -hmm. We were told the forecast is going to be awful. Traffic is going to be horrible. You need to be down there at 5 a.m. And 500,000 people showed up despite that. I think it's that magic that keeps us, keeps us coming back, isn't it? Because I don't know of any really? other things in society that really mobilize people to celebrate like sports, right? Abs- no, absolutely not. It's like I can remember, you know, you think about your favorite, you know, moments in your life and the ones where you can remember what you were wearing, who you were with, the conversations you were having. A lot of those are probably around some sort of sporting event. By for you and me, that's that's yeah. It. Let's talk a little bit more about the organizational structure that you have there at Hubbard. Do you have a market manager there in St. Louis or back at, in Minnesota? You know, which stations you GSM for? Just a little bit of that background. Sure. So, um, just to give you a little bit more about other than just 101 ESPN in the morning after. So, we have six audio brands in St. Louis and then our digital agency, 2060 Digital. And we have three different uh, general sales managers, each one over two of the audio brands. So I'm over 101 ESPN and the morning after. And then we report to our director of sales. And we also have a director of digital media and um, a market manager as well. You are all in on digital. That's an understatement. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you right away had the right language, audio brands. How easy did that come for you to be all in on digital? Because you spent a lot of time selling over-the-air radio commercials. I think if you take, just look at what you do every day and how you consume media, it's pretty easy to see just how um, integrated it, it is into our lives. I mean, you cannot get away from it. And I always laugh and, you know, when digital was a new thing and you'd meet with a client and I would say, let me ask you this question. If you leave your cell phone at home and you're on your way to work, do you turn around and get it? 99.9% of the time they say, yes. And I go, what about your wallet? Ah, eh, maybe. Yeah. 
that's a thing. You can leave your wallet behind, but you cannot leave your phone behind. And that's the, the hub of everything. What about that sales staff? When when you took over, you you were the local sales manager, you take mm -hmm. over as a general sales manager. How many are you managing? Did you have experienced people? What was the mix like? So we've, we've always attacked, um, you know, the, I guess the tools in our toolbox as you know, that we have all of them. So yes, we have these audio brands that we represent, but, um, as I was alluding to before, people consume media in a lot of different ways and we cannot be one thing and, and be successful. We've always been, uh, digital has always been a focus, um, along with audio and 2060 has been around, you know, for 10 years. So we've had a lot of, of ramp up time, but I have six people that are, um, underneath me. I, wow. I have three that had prior media experience and three that didn't and, uh, but did have sales experience. So I like, I do like pulling from from different backgrounds and getting fresh perspectives. You mentioned the digital agency. How is that structured? Because you and I and most of us listening, I think, are familiar with the makeup of a traditional ad agency that we call on. And it sounds like you guys have taken on that role that you offer to clients. Oh, yes. It's changing even more quickly than audio, if, if you can believe that. So we have a whole team of people that are dedicated just to the digital side of our business because you have to be in it all day, every day in order to be an expert. We also have digital brand strategists, which will accompany our sales team out on calls. And our sales team is well-versed, but um, they can't get into the nitty gritty like our digital brand strategists can because they're not in it every single day. Um, and again, you, you've, you've You've got to be in it all day, every day to really know what's going on. When it comes to building out a staff, when you look, you had some of these people on board, I'm sure when you took over, mm -hmm. maybe you hired some. Are there some skill sets that are mandatory that you always want these individuals to have? Or at times, do you look at like complementary pieces, somebody who may be interested in this, that or the other, or their personality is... Uh, perhaps a little bit more reserved, but they're very mm -hmm. analytical and extremely thorough and other people are chargers, right? They want to do 10 yes. things at once. Do you try to balance things out that way or how do you do it? For me, the number one piece is being able to develop good relationships. That's number one. Um, as far as the skill set, if you don't have that, that doesn't work. But number two, and it's, you know, 1A, 1B is uh -huh. being a good fit with, with the team, um, which is probably an interesting way to approach it because the way that my sales team is compensated is based on what they sell. You know, they get bonuses and, and commission. And so when you're in a situation like that, um, oftentimes you can be, you know, this is mine and stay away from my account. And it is sure. not like that at all we we really we support each other so if someone isn't team oriented they can have all the skills in the world and all the experience in the world they're not going to be on my team so you have to be you have to be team oriented and you have to be able to do it all the good thing is if you can develop relationships and you're team oriented um oh and you're passionate about our brands I, I recently hired, and I can't tell you how many interviews I had with salespeople that had a lot more experience than the gentleman that I ended up hiring. Uh -huh. And I said, okay, great. You can, there are a lot of sales positions out there, but why this? Why 101 ESPN? Why the morning after? Why 2060 Digital? Why Hubbard? And they had a hard time 
telling me why they just like sales, but the people that are passionate about it are the ones that are going to go so much further. So for me, good fit, good at relationships, passionate about what you're selling and I can teach you the rest. And a group of, of, uh, type A's you have, you have to have some type A in you cause you're a, you're, it sounds like you're communicating with six other type A's. What are some things that you keep in mind when you deal with the type A's? You know, it's funny because I did, I inherited four of them. So we actually worked together. I worked with them before I was promoted. And I think in that situation, um, a lot of people might find it difficult to transition from peer to the leadership position, but it wasn't right. like that for us at all. Um, we just have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And, you know, as you can say, we were in the trenches together mm-hmm. <laughs> for a very long time. And even though they all have A-type personalities, they are all very much individuals and um, they each sell a little bit differently. And I think that's an advantage for me is I know them. I know them so well. I know their strengths. I know their, their weaknesses. So, you know, someone new coming in, you know, with just, you know, a team that they were handed, I think would be pretty difficult for me. I will tell you, they made it, they made it easy on me. Were you promoted somehow like the obvious one? No, no, no. She's type A. She's a great salesperson, but you spent two years as the LSM after what, 11 years or so in, in direct selling and then right into the general sales manager's role, which you've only been in since January per se. Mm-hmm. But amongst that group, was it like, no, Kelly, please do this. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Or, or how did that go? Because, you know, it's tough sometimes to be mm-hmm. promoted and then start asking your peers to do this, that or the other. It is. But again, I think it's just because we have so much mutual respect for each other and it is such a team atmosphere. My job is to remove obstacles, to create opportunities and to help them grow professionally, whatever that may be. And I always say my job is to um, somehow, you know, someday you're going to leave and you're going to be a manager. And if that's your path and that's my job to get you there, I don't want to see you go, but that's, you know, my job. So um, I think they know that. I know that for me, the number one thing is them. If you don't have the right people and you don't have good people, you're not going to be successful. You talked about removing obstacles. And so here we have type A, highly successful people who have been able to grow revenue year over year from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So h- how do you go about supporting them? For example, if I was the, the type A successful guy, I'd say, Kelly, can you help me at all with continuity, paperwork, having somebody fill this stuff out? I will go do 10 more presentations for you, but please, can you help me with this paperwork? Because for some, they don't want to sell things that they have to write up because sometimes either the commission isn't worth it or it's just too frustrating. So h- how do you handle those things? Nobody likes paperwork and I agree with them. <laughs> they at the and top of the list. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, no, nobody wants to do that. And quite frankly, I don't want them doing that. I want them, we always say, you know, fishing at the end of the dock. We want them going out there and developing relationships and, and trying, you know, to sell more and find more solutions for people. Um, so something that we've done and we've been working on this for the last few years is to build up our support department. So it's not just, you know, having our wonderful sales assistants that enter the orders, which is, you know, a big thing to take off someone's list and, um, you know, to, you know, maybe design a proposal for them. But we are um, in the middle of really putting an entire department together that is going to be doing 
research and even um, hunting down contact information and looking at industry trends that they can share with the salespeople to say, here's some emerging um, industries and here are some people that I've found locally. Here's their contact information. Um, right? I mean, yeah. you think about prospecting and targeting and all these things just take so much time. And when you have so many brands and you have digital, there's there's just not enough time in the day. So to remove obstacles, we want to create a department that can do a lot of those things for our salespeople right. um, and get that off their plates. You know, Kelly, when I visit with other managers who want to do more of what you're doing, they talk about the challenge of where am I going to pull that expense from to be able to hire a business development rep or a more of a marketing support person. Mm -hmm. So how, what can you tell me about where is this going to come from? Is it from the increases or is it just the benefits of being with a smaller operator like a Hubbard versus the large ones? Um, well, definitely a benefit with being, you know, being with Hubbard and what's great about the way that they are structured is they give each market so much autonomy because each market is very, very different. And, you know, you're the experts in your market, you know, we're here, we're, we're boots on the ground. So we know, um, we know what's going on and what, and what's needed. So we, you know, it's opportunity cost. We look at how much time are our salespeople spending doing these activities and if we gave them this time back realistically how much revenue does that represent mm -hmm. and it represents a lot of revenue so it is it's worth the roi to hire another body or two you know to help um you know help support our salespeople. my personal experience that you could hear some feedback from somebody who sold well, ads per se is we only have so much energy yeah mm -hmm. and if we're giving our energy to paperwork okay but is that what you really really want versus nope. wouldn't you rat and then you have to hold yourself accountable to those new business goals or upsells or giving advertisers some ntr opportunities or the latest digital mm -hmm. offering you know you, you know what i'm saying and, and that's maybe where you have to hold them accountable but w what's your reaction to this energy comment i made you could not be more spot on and how can we help you handle more clients is to take those time sucks away from you, that paperwork, the putting together of presentations, if that's not your skill set, and it's not most salespeople's skill set, so that you have the time to dedicate to the things that you enjoy. So most people that are in a sales position, and my team especially, they get energy from meeting with clients and learning about their businesses and strategizing with them. And so even though they might be doing more on that side, mm -hmm. those are the tasks that, um, that give them energy and that give them that fulfillment. So we can, we can do more of that. Okay. So we got a lot of budgetary stuff now for 23 and that's all coming down. And I thought I'd just touch on when it comes to growing revenue, cause I think it was JB that told me you've done a great job and that's, Sometimes no. in a growing market, great, that's easier, but in, in stagnant markets or whatever, it's not as easy, but I, there's a ways to do it. There's rate increases, there's, there's new NTR, there's new digital offerings, there's mm -hmm. just getting more over the air business. Do you have a go-to or do you, do you look at how you'll typically try to get that growth in one of those buckets? It really starts with my team and their business plan. And we just finished putting all those together for next year. And we, you know, this is the analytical part of the business where we look at, you know, our key accounts. Some of them, they've kind of topped out. They're doing digital sponsorships, endorsements. They're doing everything. And it's like, great. 
How do we make sure that they stay successful? But there are other key accounts that you know there is a lot of growth potential. And then um, then we go to new business and we put a new business goal together, you know, for ourselves that has nothing, none of this has anything to do with budget. Um, and the good thing is when you're when they're working their business plans, mm-hmm. their budgets are always lower than the goals that they set for themselves. So if they're working that business plan, the, the way that they've laid it out for themselves, they're going to blow their budgets away. Does it happen every time? No, because sometimes you have to pivot and adjust and, you know, things come up. But um, it's it's really looking pragmatically at every single piece of your business and figuring out where the growth areas are. It could be right. It could be a sponsorship. It could be getting into digital. It just depends on the client. When it comes to the new business piece and Mm -hmm. the prospecting, it sounds like in the future or now there's going to be some support to get contact names or hotter industries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there any other ways that you think you can support your staff to rather than just start wandering aimlessly because we need a plumber or we need an attorney. We used to have one, you know, that, that type of prospecting. It's not efficient anymore. So again, it goes back to the relationships. We want to be an extension of their business because when you're an extension of their business, then they trust you and they're going to refer you to other people. And that is the best way to get in the door. Another piece that we use is using our talent. That is something that that sets us apart, uh, especially in this market when um you know, when, when people are are cutting costs and using the same talent across, you know, different markets, we, we're live, we're local. We have people that are in this market using businesses, meeting business owners. And so we utilize them. You know, who do they know? What do they need? Who do they have a good experience with? And it's a lot easier to call up a client and say, hey, our morning drive talent, um, you know, you, they bought a fence from you. They love it. They think you did an amazing job. They'd love to speak on your behalf. That goes a lot better than, hey, we reach homeowners, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, well, or I was driving by and I noticed yeah. your sign. Yeah. Yes. You know, other things that we are focusing on too is getting back to client entertainment because that's a big piece that, hmm. you know, was missing for for a few years and asking hmm. them to bring in, you know, friends and other business owners and, um, you know, just good people that we should be in contact with. So again, it's utilizing our relationships and networking. I should have asked you this earlier, but you you mentioned the structure, an over-the-air <laughs> station, 101 ESPN, and then a digital um, offering like the morning after St. Louis, which I think mm-hmm. is the, one of the longest-running sports talk shows in, in morning drive in that market. How, how is What is the morning after St. Louis? Oh, gosh. So that is a completely different animal, and I would almost look at it as almost like a beta test for Hubbard because it's a different... Um, a different way of bringing audio and a huge brand to listeners. Because as you know, with the FCC, you can only have, you know, so many traditional radio licenses. So how do we, how do we bring other big brands and, um, you know, bring them into our, our family brands that we already have like good brands that we can get our advertisers involved with that will help them grow their business. And that's, and that's why we wanted the morning after they have, a reputation unlike anything that I personally have ever experienced. And I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Uh, It's funny. So as soon as I put it on my LinkedIn profile that we brought over the morning after and that I was managing it, people started coming out of the woodwork. It's like everybody's dirty secret is that they listen to the morning after and that they love it. (laughs) It's the, we have a feature called the lemming of the day. Are you familiar with the lemming? Uh, No, no. It's, um, It's someone that follows someone else blindly. 
Okay. That's that's their listeners. Instead of like, you know, a fun listener of the day, they're lemmings of the day. We have a golf tournament called the Lemmings Open because (laughs) the listeners follow these guys blindly. And I feel like one of the reasons they do is because they are so authentic. They say everything. They are not worried about what, (laughs) what, the Cardinals might think of them or the Blues might think of them or sure. if someone's going to be in defense, uh, offended. They just now, Did they transition from television and over-the-air broadcast uh, and now they're YouTubing their shows and streaming it and apps and so forth? Oh, we're doing it all. So they were on an AM signal. So they've been on um, an AM signal for uh, a majority of, of their lifetime. But okay. when we brought them over, again, looking at this as, as a beta test and also thinking about how people consume media in so many different ways. And it's really fragmented. And so we have to be able to offer our brands to people to consume in the way that makes sense for them. So we brought it over. Originally, it was supposed to just be a podcast. And the more that we talked about it, it's like, okay, these guys need to be on YouTube because this audience is just going to eat it up. Um, yeah, we probably need to develop an app for them because that's where everybody, you know, everything's digital. And of course, if we have an app, we have to have a website and okay, let's also put it on point HD two. So okay. you literally can, you can consume it and in any way that you consume audio. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. It's been fun just to see the growth in such a short amount of time looking at podcast downloads, they've grown almost a hundred percent since we took them over. Uh, yeah, which is great. So it's, it's doing really well. It works for our advertisers that the on-air personalities are so invested in it. That's what I love too. Okay. Last, and I wanted to get this in for others who may be in a situation like they need salespeople, other managers listening to this, do you have a go-to place? I don't know if it's Monster or it's Friends of Friends or Salespeople's Friends or people across the street. Do you have a go-to that you've had good luck with where you find new salespeople? Social media. I ask my team. I ask my talent. I ask my friends. I'm like, I'm going to post it on Facebook. I'm going to post it on LinkedIn. Please share. And that's how we have found the majority of um, of our candidates. It's, it's like anything else. It's like sales. It's like you, um, if you get a referral, then you're more likely to use them or you're more likely to like them. So I'm like, please give me, give me the referral. So it works on the sales side and on hiring, but, um, no, it's, it's wrapping in personally and professionally, everybody I know to post it on social media, comment on it, be on the lookout for it. Uh, and that that's helped tremendously. Kelly, you're doing a great job. Everything oh, I've heard. Thank you, Jeff. What I've heard here, I mean, I can't tell you how exciting it is as somebody who's you know sold for a while to hear you say you want to support the energy of your people and you you hate paperwork. I mean, it's got to mm-hmm. be done and done right. And you're giving them tangible support items and then you're holding them accountable to spending that time more wisely. So congratulations on all of that. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been, it's been a good year. You can find more information on Kelly Hanna on LinkedIn, of course, or maybe go over to the 101 ESPN website. Please review and subscribe to this pod. Pass it along. It's how we can grow it. You can email me, jeffcase54 at gmail.com with interview requests or ideas. And check barrettsportsmedia.com for weekly sales columns and past pods. I will talk to you next week. 
Thank you for listening to Seller to Seller with Jeff Caves. Each episode is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and most podcasting platforms. To stay in touch with Jeff, follow him on Twitter at Jeff Caves and read his sales columns on BarrettSportsMedia.com.